Hey guys, it's Liz, and you are listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, where we give people the chance to write a letter to their younger selves in hopes that we can learn a little bit from their lives. Hey guys, welcome to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, and today we have my wonderful new friend, Autumn DeMont, here in the podcast studio, aka my basement, hanging out today. And Autumn is a one of our newest volunteers for high school campus life here in Huntington area. I have loved getting to know her and just learning more about her. This girl is stone cold hilarious in a really sneaky way because she doesn't like to put herself out there. But um, I've just I just love getting to know you and it's been so fun. And Autumn, you work at Huntington University and you have like three different jobs. I do. Yes. What are those what are those three hats that you wear? Yes. So I am an admissions counselor for our graduate programs. Um, an undergrad admissions counselor, and then I'm the head assistant soccer coach for the women's team. Okay. And Autumn and I have talked a lot about soccer recently with each other because I wore an Arsenal <laughs> soccer jersey because I'm I'm an Arsenal fan from the Premier League in London. And like, who's your team? Uh, I like Liverpool. You like Liverpool. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you like the like really big name teams, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you like the winners, you know. We like to at Arsenal. We like to work for it a okay. little bit more. Yeah, the underdogs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we like a good underdog. Anyway, so Autumn has. It's just been really fun getting to know her and just learning more and more about her journey and her story. Um, and growing up, Autumn, you didn't have a father figure consistent in your life, and that really has affected a lot of things. And it affects a, it, when people don't have that. It affects a lot of stuff in life and it, it's not just this like single occurrence. So how did that affect you growing up? Can you share about that journey a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, my parents got divorced when I was, I think, three going on four or four going on five. I, You know, you don't remember those things. Um, but, you know, there was like two, one or two years where he was like very consistent, um, would take me, you know, when they had split custody, um, he would take me, we would do fun things or he would show up to my sporting events cause that was the age I was starting to get involved. Yeah. Um, but then he was just one day, it was just like, Oh, I don't want to take you. And I was like, okay, like no big deal. Um, and then it was just like a consistent behavior that mm-hmm. started to reoccur. Um, and I just didn't understand why. I mean, when you're little, you don't, you don't understand those things. You're just like, Okay, but as you get older, you're like, why am I not good enough? Yeah, you You start asking those questions to yourself. Yeah, Um, and so, you know, by six, seven, eight, I'm like, mom, like, I remember looking at my mom one day going, why am I not good enough for him to, like, come get me or spend time with me? Mm. And, you know, moms, they're just great and comfortable, and they're like, it's okay. Um, And, you know, she just tries to uplift your spirits, but there's only so much you can say and do. Yeah. Um, Were you an only child? I was. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah. you had to figure that all out by yourself. You I, didn't have I, siblings to like talk about it with or right. or anything. Yeah. No, it was a, a one man show. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom was just like seeing your broken little heart every single time, and th- yeah. that must have been really hard. Yeah. I actually, you know, the older I got, um, and the more you like look at the bigger picture, I actually felt you know, pretty bad for her because, you know, you who wants to see their kid heartbroken? Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then how did that affect you just through school for your confidence? And because you're in elementary school and yeah. you're asking yourself all these questions, which a lot of elementary school kids don't really have to deal with. 
right? Yeah. And like you had to grow up a little quicker than other people. I did. I had to grow up really fast. A because I was raised by a single mom, and and B just because of the nature of you know not having that father figure. Um, so you know, I would see what was so heart wrenching was you know being in elementary school when it was cool that your parents picked you up um it was like oh I don't you know you would see all the other little kids with their dads and high-fiving them and be like what's up how was your day at school and I'm like I don't I don't have that yeah um and you know my mom worked because she was a single mom so she she never really could pick me up um which is understandable you know um an eight to five job and you get out at three like yeah so Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I just, I started to like notice those things and then it became, you know, kind of sad. And yeah. I was just like, I don't know how to process that. I mean, you, who does at six and seven? But yeah, so seeing people get picked up by their dads or, you know, watching little girls go off to like a, a daddy daughter dance. Oh, you yeah. Know, that was, that was another heart wrencher for me. You just never had that. How did you, looking back, obviously you didn't feel that in the moment, but how did that affect your friendships with other, other people? Yeah. Um, I would say friendships were, were okay. Um, it, it took a lot, you know, because he was so in and out for so long and not consistent. It, it took a toll on trust issues. Yeah. Um, you know, can I trust you? So like for me, even now it's affected me that much that I'm like, okay, can I trust you enough to let you in? Mm -hmm. Can I trust you enough with my life story and all these other trust issues that it's like normal people would be like, Hey, what's up? And like, you know, make friends super easy. But I was so reserved because of those trust issues. Yeah. Well, you just weren't like that rejection is so painful that Mm -hmm. why would you want to put yourself in those spots to just feel that over and over and over again? Right. Yeah. And as a, as a as a little kid it's hard to make sense of that logically and so you just I mean developmentally they're still in that like ego phase where Mm -hmm. everything's about them and so you're like well this these things isn't my dad's issue it must be my issue correct right it's like all all my fault Mm -hmm. and so what did you like you're asking yourself that when you're like eight years old yeah what's wrong with me where did you, where'd you go from there? How'd that relationship with your dad go or, or, or anything? Yeah, great question. So I let it go on for a long time. Um, even, you know, I was 10 when I like had to sit him down and be like, listen, this is not healthy for me. Um, just because like the way I, I mean, you don't understand like the full unhealthiness of that relationship yeah. when you're 10, but in a 10 year old's words, it was like, this isn't good for me. I don't like how you're making me feel. Um, other things are more important to you. And I don't know why I'm not as important. You know, I'm your child. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like as a 10 year old gave him like an ultimatum, like you're either in or you're out because this is, I just can't emotionally can't do it. Yeah. Um, which is extremely mature of a 10 year old yeah. to, to realize those things. Yeah. What did he, what did he say to that? What was, what did he choose? He said some choice words. Mm, um, we'll just, we'll just leave it at yeah, that. Oh. Um, and so for a while, you know, it was, it was just me and my mom at that point. And I was like, great. And then, you know, I started to excel in sports and, in, in um, school and became like well known in the town because I came out from a small town so I mean it wasn't that hard mm. um, but then once you know my name started to get out or, or people in the community were talking about me it was like oh like my daughter's kind of like quote unquote in the limelight yeah like I think it's convenient for me to get back into her life yeah and so throughout high school it was that same thing where you know I was like 
you know, like I gave you that choice at 10 years old. Like you either pick it or don't pick it, Mm -hmm. but I can't keep doing this. Um, And then, like I said, throughout high school, I just ignored it. Um, And that probably wasn't healthy. Like looking back, that wasn't healthy either. And then college, I I really put a stop to it. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's not healthy for me. Like I've already grown up with so many issues because of the in and out and the inconsistency that I can't keep doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it goes back to those trust issues too, because mm-hmm. that you just this in and out over and over again, and then you're like, oh well, maybe I'll give him a chance now, right. right? And then once again, it's like, how are you supposed to develop any sort of trust for someone when mm-hmm. they're not earning it, right? You know, um, I love uh, so I read a lot of Brene Brown. Yeah, we love Brene Brown, and she talks a lot about how her her younger daughter. She was asking about trust and about friends and, and, and all that. And she was talking about how Br- Brene Brown said that, like, you needed to find marble jar friends or marble jar people in your life. And how in her classroom growing up, her her daughter, her teacher had these marbles and they got marbles got taken out if somebody didn't do some if somebody did something against the rules or to hurt someone else. Or when she caught them doing something good, she would add marbles to it and so that's a lot like friendship or a lot like just trust is that sometimes we need just need some marble jar people in our life that just keeps adding marbles to our jar instead of just taking them out over and over again and if that happens so many times you have to be like okay i can't do this Mm -hmm. anymore i don't have any marbles left for you exactly yeah Yeah. and so how did that affect like high school you were pretty closed off Mm -hmm. and you, you talked about you didn't trust people and so how did that affect friendships and other relationships well you know um you put on a brave face honestly that's what I at least that's what I did um I did have those trust issues but it also didn't stop me from you know creating those just surface level friendships yeah. um you know I wanted to be polite and show Christless love to everyone um so I didn't let that stop me but when it came to like deep friendships that was not that was not a thing for me because I was like, I don't want them to get too close. You know, I don't want to let them in. Um, and like touching on romantic relationships, even, um, you know, I had a, a really pretty, you know, serious boyfriend, you know, in high school. Yeah. Um, and there were times where it would affect our relationship. And even like throughout college, you know, I noticed some tendencies like once you, you fix yourself and you grow, um, you still you still find those tens where you're like oh don't do that mm-hmm. because like you notice them, but um, but yeah like friendships I I would put on that surface level you know face and be like hey how's it going mm-hmm. but never deep, and then romantic relationships like I said it was it was a challenge at, for a long time yeah well just keeping people at arm's length and mm-hmm. keep it's almost like a comp- compartmentalized life where you have your surface level friends. But then there's always that story in the back of your head of, would they still like me if they knew this about me? Correct. Kind of thing. Where you're just always asking yourself that question over Mm -hmm. and over again. If you can't tell, I also struggled (laughs) with being vulnerable. Growing up is just, it's just so hard to, to, to have that and to feel completely known and loved by people. Mm -hmm. If you are holding something back and you're like, okay, well, they probably won't accept that. Right. Right. That's probably too hard for them. Exactly. And, like just all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've had an, like you've had this journey of not trusting people. And then like the times that maybe you have trusted people, it like they took more marbles mm-hmm. from you. So mm-hmm. when's the time that happened for you? Oh, um, so yeah. Um, going into my, you know, I worked at this summer camp um, with 
you know, a bunch of people my age or college. I mean, that, that was the age range for counselors. And so, you know, that was going into, that was the summer before my senior year. Um, and, you know, my boss at the time thought it would be, because I was so vulnerable at that age, um, thought it would be appropriate to make passes. And so, you know, I went through a time where I was sexually abused and harassed. Um, and, you know, because I, you know, I guess going based off of the fact that I didn't have a father figure, I didn't know at the time, like, is that appropriate to say yeah. to somebody or is that appropriate to touch somebody that way? Um, but then you're like also learn like growing up, those behaviors aren't good either. So then it was like finding that balance of what, what just happened. Yeah. Um, and so Did this I, go on for the whole summer or yes. Okay. Um, so thinking back, like I was, I thought I was the only one receiving all of that. Yeah. Um, and I later find out like one night we, some of us counselors, because we had like rotations with breaks and stuff like that. Um, and I was on like the first break along with another, another girl and we were talking and something, she, she mentioned something and I was like, wait, what, what did you just say? And so it was like that light bulb kicked on. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't the only one, but come to find out, you know, it was way worse in my situation than it was hers, but she was still going through the same thing. Um, and then later we started putting pieces together and it was all of us at some point, um, got like, you know, s sexual harassment or something like yeah. that. So it's completely inappropriate. It was behavior. all across the board. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I was the one that got the brunt of it, which I say was okay. Um, it's never okay, Yeah. but yeah, I would rather have it be me than, you know, somebody else. So <laughs> Yeah, which doesn't make it any easier. No, it doesn't. And so what did you, like, because you kind of had to be real with people at that time and tell people <laughs> what was going on yeah. and be vulnerable about yeah. some hurts that you were experiencing. How how did you deal with that? Well, to be quite honest with you, you know, you hear all those stories where people are like, uh, where they get backlash for coming forward about something like serious like that. Or, you know, there's just all sorts of reasons where I feel like, people had the reason not to come forward um and so I struggled with a long time where I went through the whole summer without saying anything yeah um and I do re I do have those regrets um but you know at the end of the summer I was just like enough's enough like I'm gonna stand up for myself um uh, because what he was because I was a minor at the time yeah and so like that doesn't make it okay either uh for the longest time I was quiet and then I stood up for myself and it went through this whole process of the court system yeah. and interviews and then media found out because you're in a small town and so then every news station was calling you mm -hmm. and it was just a it was a it was a hard process for sure um but yeah at first I, I wasn't okay with coming forward yeah um you're getting all this attention from the media and for something that feels really private mm -hmm. and really vulnerable and really really painful yeah and now you just have to tell everybody about it how how did how did that journey go for you it it was a rocky journey yeah um, like I said I don't like to be vulnerable I don't you know back then because of those trust issues I didn't want people in my personal life mm -hmm. um but when <laughs> you got law people looking at you going you need to tell me now yeah. like you didn't have a choice yeah. um so I struggled with that time frame of okay you have to be vulnerable um and I had to you know, take a step back and look at the fact that, you know, what, what happened to me was hard. Yes. What this road being vulnerable looks like is going to be hard. But if you're upfront and honest, 
you could not change the world, but change a life maybe yeah you know yeah protect um, someone else from ex- something exactly. else happening yeah and so like that was that was my goal you know um i i didn't want somebody in the future to walk through what i walked through um i wanted to put a stop if i if i could yeah and so um yeah it was it was a very rocky road for a long time but mm-hmm. it had to be done yeah and so so during during that time because you've struggled with not feeling good enough. Right. Literally yeah. your whole life, yeah. right? Like you you said that's been a really big struggle for you. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. Mm-hmm. What kind of questions were you asking yourself? Um, a lot of it was, you know, am I still worthy of, of love someday? Because, you know, when you go through sexual abuse, it's it's a whole different thing. So then you start to ask yourself, am I worthy of true love someday? Am I ever still going to be good enough for somebody um and then you start to doubt yourself am I doing the right thing am I making the right choice and you know because you have all these people you know there's always two sides to every story and so you got all these people questioning you so then you start questioning yourself and you start questioning your morals and and it just goes downhill from there it's like a downward spiral you know of emotional yeah yeah, and when you're already in this vulnerable state because you don't have a, people pouring into your life, right? That it just, I mean, tanks that self confidence mm-hmm. and that that feeling of of known knownness and feeling loved and and all of that too. Yeah. So we're in this whole journey. You you mentioned that your faith was important to you. Mm-hmm. Where where was God in all of this for you? <laughs> um great question god was like on the back burner yeah, you know you weren't ready to be vulnerable with god yet either yeah no no i was not um so i found myself actually rejecting him yeah um because of just everything that you're going through it's a lot to begin with but then you're like you know i remember before coming forward i was like no i'm not gonna do that for multiple reasons and then it was like you know i had a moment where God put on my heart like no you need to do this autumn like you need to come forward and so then I trusted him and then like I said all those downhill spirals happened and then you start to question like how could you know and this is really bad but you know you, you start to think how could a God create something so horrible yeah you know um how could a God that loves me and you know wants to be there and support me and have this happen yeah. you know like those are such real questions that so many people struggle with yeah it's just like you look at this pain you're experiencing this mm-hmm. deep pain and you're like how i god i trusted you right how could you let this happen right right yeah and so what do you what do you do with those questions so for the longest time i just kept them bottled up um and you know i took all of this with me uh when i went to college and i kind of just was living a double life you Mm, know yeah um where you know hu you were like okay like this is kind of like i viewed it as like a fresh start like Mm -hmm. this is great i'm off to college freshman year Uh, um but then you know i'd have to go back home for for interviews and court cases and things like that and so it was like a double life and i was just like i I don't have time for God. Like, yeah. I don't want you to work in my life. I'm angry with you. I don't, I don't want to experience your love because mm-hmm. how am I even worthy of love now? Like if I let you in, that's not going to make a difference. Yeah. And well, so. and it's like you trusted God, like God's the one that prompted you to come forward. Right? Exactly. And now you're dealing with all of this mm-hmm. and you're like, man, if next time I trust God, what's going to happen 
again like it's, what yeah. what am i gonna have to do now yeah because god never wants us to be comfortable <laughs> right right <laughs> but we really want to be, be comfortable. comfortable we like want it so bad <laughs> you know and so how did that like, how did you begin the healing journey yeah um so long story short it dragged out until my sophomore year of college um and one of my really good guy friends that you know i built this friendship with came up behind me and I wasn't expecting it and when you haven't dealt with what I went through that that actually hurts you more than it does help you yes and so he came up behind me walking down what we call the mall at HU um and I gut punched him from Mm -hmm. behind because I was like who is that like I had that moment of fear all over again yeah and so it was that moment where I was like autumn you need to take care of yourself like enough's enough when you when are you going to be vulnerable enough to put yourself in counseling when are you going to be vulnerable and be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in order to grow through this process um and so you started to realize like me not dealing with this isn't just uh, hurting me yeah no it's hurting other people yeah it's physically hurting my friend (laughs) yeah (laughs) but then it's actually just hurting all the people you care care about about. too yeah Yeah, because you push them away you don't want anything to do with them and yeah it was a process okay um so then you signed up for counseling? I did. We went through a lot of counseling, um, and I'm a very big advocate now for counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we, so I went through counseling, um, probably a good two years yeah. of it, just working through everything, you know, even from like the counselor even went back to my childhood. They always do. Yeah. They and then you do. like, like yeah. work it all through because um, it's all connected. It's all connected. So yeah, exa- you're exactly right. Um, so yeah. So looking back during this two-year period, what is, what's some of the best advice that your counselor gave you that sticks with you? It's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, with, especially like if you have those people that you can trust, um, it's okay to be vulnerable with them because they, you know, you have people in your back pocket that want to be there for you, that want to support you, but they can't if you don't, Yeah. you know, and so, and holding, and like the counselor was also like, if you hold on to that she goes you're a prime example of holding on to it what it can do to somebody like it, it's it's not benefiting anything or anyone around you it's only hurting you mm-hmm. um so if you don't talk to somebody and let those emotions out and work through those emotions and process and sit in those emotions you're never going to see growth yeah so okay. so it's not like a snap of the finger no, it's not. Right? <laughs> it's kind of unlearning your 21 years of coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And now that you did counseling, you're not like, oh, I am so vulnerable now. Right? Like, we're not <laughs> no, there. Yeah, we're not there. But but how how did you begin stepping forward in that? Um, I had a great community. I had great family um, that surrounded me and I just never, never took advantage of that, never dove into that or took the opportunity to until I got counseling. And then it was like, you know, I had a whole soccer team of girls who were like a second family to me that Mm -hmm. wanted to love me and show me love and, and show me that you are worthy of love and God's love. Um, and then I had professors even like, I wasn't open with them, but, you know, they could tell. Yeah. I mean, once you have them for so long, they can tell when something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so having their support and eventually, like, I didn't go into detail, but I just explained the situation and 
and they were very supportive. They they let me lean on them if I needed to, you know, not just academic side, but personal side. And then obviously your family yeah. is always there to hold you up and support you. Mm. Um, yeah, I right because I've struggled with being vulnerable in my life. And I remember a moment where I chose to tell one of my friends something that I'd gone through but never shared with anybody. Mm-hmm. And sitting there after that long conversation and a lot of tears, I walk I remember literally walking out of that house and it was sunny outside and I just took a deep breath and I was like, this is I I'm guessing this is what it feels like to be fully known and fully loved. Right? Like just yeah. that moment where you're like <sighs> yeah, like oh my gosh. Yeah. This is what I've been missing holding everything back. Mhm. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how we try so hard to hide the parts of us that we don't want people to see. But then the second that we let somebody see them mm-hmm. in, in a, in a, in a way that we want them to. Right. Right. Not with the news all <laughs> over the place, but like in an authentic, intimate way, it can, it can change everything. Mm-hmm. And just really, you start to see yourself the way that God sees you more and more and yeah. more. Yeah. And so you said you were living a double life with God too. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did, how did you reconnect with him? Um, you know, I just, there was a moment where we're a soccer girls. It was like that moment where I had to tell them, like, I didn't have to tell them, but I decided, to, yeah, yeah. I, I chose to tell them. And, you know, they were asking questions. And one of the, the girls asks me, like, where are you at with your faith? Like, mm-hmm. if you so-called, like, if you're telling yourself that everything's great when we first met, are are you really being truthful in your relationship with Christ? And I was like, it was like that moment where I was like, oh, mm. about, yeah, okay, good point. Yeah, um, and it was like that realization that, you know, you can say one thing, but behind closed doors, what what am I doing? And yeah. that's not having a relationship with Christ. You can go to church and go through the motions, but that's not having a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it was that moment of the turning point for me where I was like, okay there is a God out there who loves me um, and I'm worthy of his love. And so I started to dive deeper into the church, um, into small groups and, you know, having 40 girls be, you know, love you. um, They help you, they help you get back to where you, where you want to be. And so I dove deep into the Bible. I spent time in prayer um, and just kind of had moments of, turning off your phone, electronics, everything, and just being present with God, like solitude time. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really what it took for me to, to get back on track was, were those three things. Mm, so. Yeah. How did you even like regain that trust with God? It wasn't a snap of a finger. Yeah. That's for sure. It was just the, like the moment that I let him back in mm-hmm. was the moment where he, prove all of my thoughts wrong yeah um and it was just like one thing after another Mm -hmm. and it was just like okay god i see you why didn't i why was i so stubborn why Mm -hmm. didn't i trust you why didn't i let you love me um and so it like i said it was just like one thing after another that i started to slowly regain his trust Mm -hmm. um but yeah it it wasn't a slow process yeah i think one of the big verses for me when i when i wrestle with the God, why did you let this happen? Is mm-hmm. I always go back to that verse in James where it says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, mm-hmm. where it's that reminder of, okay, when I'm looking at this thing, is this good and perfect? No. Therefore, this is not from God. 
God allowed it to happen because there's free will in the world and there's brokenness already and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. But, like, this, God did not make this happen. Right. Like, he certainly allows those things to happen and God's plan is higher than mine, so I have no idea why those things happen. But it's not, like, God didn't do those things to to get you somewhere or to prove a point or I I broke my leg once and I was like, Oh God broke my leg to (laughs) help me slow down. Right. Cause I was like working so hard and he was like teaching me a lesson. Right. And one of my friends who has been in a wheelchair his whole life looked at me and he was like, did God put me in a wheelchair? And I was like, Oh, to teach like he was, he asked what kind of lesson did he, he want to teach me? And I was like, Oh my gosh, shoot. Like, I've been thinking that God teaches us lessons through bad things mm-hmm. when it, he takes, he never lets pain get wasted. Right. But he doesn't, he's not up there being like, okay, well, I'm going to teach Autumn a lesson by having her go through these things. Right. Like, he's not, he doesn't do those things. No. Because it's not a good and perfect gift <laughs> coming from above. Right. And boy, oh boy, that's a hard <laughs> lesson to learn over and over again. But I think, like, that's a good lens to put things through mm-hmm. is, is that man yeah 100% gosh and so now you're you're graduated from school yeah and you're in the adult world you're working in admissions <laughs> and you're doing your thing how has that journey continued for you now that you don't have this intentional soccer community around I mean you are coaching oh yeah but like how how have you continued that growth um you know I put myself in small groups I've gotten you know more involved in my church and my community um and I think that's a great place to start you know I'm still learning mm-hmm. uh this whole adult thing um but I figured it was better to start there than not at all yeah so and you're doing brave things like being on a podcast right exactly I'm here <laughs> man if you guys knew how hard it was for me to get autumn <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> oh. we're celebrating this today <laughs> It's a beautiful thing that the Lord is working in her heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, so during these times, especially like, obviously, like we keep saying, this is not a snap of a finger. This yeah. is something that is a continual process that you have to choose every single day. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are some scripture or some yeah. verses that, that always bring you back to him when you start to go back to the old ways of thinking? Right, right, right. So my favorite verse that got me through this really difficult time in life was from um isaiah 43 2 through 3 um and that was when you go through deep waters i will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty you will not drown Mm. because there were moments where when it did get to down to the to really hard stuff um it felt like i was drowning and you know when you have like so many floaties on it was like that still wasn't enough um and, you know, going through something like this can be deep waters. It's not the shallow wind. It's, yeah. it's the deep end. And you have to rely on God to keep you afloat. You can't just do it by yourself. Um, and so, like, that was that part of Scripture really got me through yeah. those, those difficult times. Well, that, that the whole idea of, like, the storm is so heavy mm-hmm. and I feel like I might drown. It just feels so... Like it's such a desperate picture that I'm getting in my mind of yeah. like when you feel like you're I've, I've never felt like I was going to drown before, but I can imagine that like it's just you're, you're trying to grasp at literally anything it, to yeah. keep you afloat. Right. You I, are. I was a lifeguard for nine years and we were always taught that when you're saving someone and they're they're flailing and they grab onto mm-hmm. you, you should push them away because they're so panicked that they might drown you too, too. Yep. right? And so you push them away, regain yourself, and then you go back in to, to save, the, like, you don't just leave them there. Like, <laughs> you keep trying, right? And 
Like that's what we do when we drown. Like, when we're feeling like we're going to drown is we just like grasp at anything. And even in your story, just all the times you were grasping on the safety of not sharing anything or, or this kind of affirmation or this, like, man, like we're, I think about that in my life all the times that I was just grasping mm-hmm. because I felt like I was drowning. Yeah. You know, and God's there the whole time. Like, all you got to do just is ask, ask me, like, you ask just gotta me. Ask me yeah. to throw this life preserver. And I'm like literally here, yeah. but you need to ask. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to just force it on you. Right. Man, that's good. Yeah. So right now, mm-hmm. I would love for you to read your letter oh. to your younger self. Okay. <laughs> Dear younger me. One thing I want you to take away from this letter is that you are not alone. When you feel lost or confused or you start to have doubts, remember the battles are not yours, but God's. He has already conquered them. Understand the importance of community. God didn't intend for us to walk through life alone, and you have people in your life that want to love on you, but only if they know where you're at. Let them be the light in your darkness. And most importantly, don't reject Jesus because it's interfering with the way you want to live. We want to be comfortable, we want to have control, and we want to have a sense of normalcy, but you will never grow. When you sense you are comfortable, force yourself to be uncomfortable. Going through rivers of difficulty will either cause you to drown or force you to to grow stronger. If you go in your own strength, you are more likely to drown, but if you invite the Lord to go with you, he will protect you. Force yourself to be broken because that's when God creates something beautiful. Love me. Whoa. That last line, force yourself to be broken because it causes something to be beautiful. That's really good. Yeah. What, how do you force yourself to be broken now? Um, it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, because of vulnerability and I struggle so much with that. Um, that's like a sense of brokenness for me. Yeah. Um, because that's just something so hu- huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I... I have this, like, and someone told me this analogy once that I learned on a mission trip that, you know, you take a bowl out of your cupboard and it's whole and it's perfect. And it's kind of like when you come out of the womb, it's whole and perfect. Mm -hmm. But solely as you get older and you go through hardships and you force yourself to be uncomfortable, God slowly chips away at that bowl. Yeah. But then one day God, like, it, it just drops and it shatters all over the place. And that's when you become broken. That's when you... If you allow yourself to be vulnerable, that's when God can start putting those pieces back together and put you in that bowl back all over again. Mm-hmm. But you have brokenness, and I feel like you're beautifully broken at that point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if you allow yourself to grow in your pain, you allow yourself to be vulnerable. I think those two things right there will, will just take you places. Yeah. Well, and it's jesus models those things Mm -hmm. right like in scripture time and time again he is vulnerable and he puts himself in spots where he has to even though he doesn't need to like he puts himself in spots where he has to rely on someone else right and he like even in his moments where he is he is crying and he is like so broken he's asking god hey i i I don't want to drink this difficult cup before I am crucified for everybody. He invites his disciples into that. Mm-hmm. Granted, they fall asleep and <laughs> they, they don't rise to the occasion, right. which is so painful. Cause how many times have we invited our friends into something painful for mm-hmm. us and they don't respond the way we need them to. Yep. Right. And that happens to Jesus, but he still does it even mm-hmm. though he, he knows and he 
Like he still experiences all of that because I think being vulnerable isn't just like opening yourself to, to weakness. It's, it's letting yourself be open to people seeing you. Absolutely. You know, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so hard, especially in a world where we want to be real tough. Exactly. (laughs) Just like get over it and move move past it. Right. That was my problem. (laughs) I feel you. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, holy, oh my gosh, this is, I struggle with being vulnerable. I struggle with, I don't have, my dad's not in the picture or he hasn't been, or I've been through something really, really difficult. What's some advice that you have for people that are, that are in situations like you? Yeah. Um, I guess my, my biggest thing would be to, you know, um, like stand strong, um, you know, stand up for yourself and understand that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of God's love mm-hmm. and um, that you are not alone. So find those people that you, you trust with all your heart. Um, and I know that that can be difficult, yeah. but there are people in your life that you can do that. And don't don't hold anything inside you because it's not going to get you anywhere. It's only going to do more damage. So So find those people that you can trust, open up to. Um, and be vulnerable with mm-hmm. and and God will do amazing things after that if you allow him to yeah yeah don't hold back yeah don't because <laughs> even when you just hold one piece back it still it makes an impact it does and you wouldn't think it does but it, it truly does yeah and something that I kept hearing yourself say right now is just like treating yourself like you would like a friend that you really care about mm-hmm. look instead of looking at yourself as this like person unworthy of love, how can you see yourself through God's eyes or through somebody who really cares about you's eyes, you know, and, and, and starting to, to move that and transform that is huge. Yeah. It's just that then you can actually fight for yourself, right? Like when you see yourself, like, like God sees you, then you can fight for yourself Mm -hmm. and then you can stand up for yourself. Then you can start healing. Right. Because then you're like, God wants, like, God sees me as this and, mm-hmm. and wants me to, to heal and to, to grow. And I can, I, I can, I can fight for this. Right. For me. Right. Yeah. Oh, Autumn, thank you so much <laughs> for being here and for sharing. And man, it has been really good to sit and talk to you. And your story is such an important story to tell because I think there are so many people that can pick out pieces of this. And I mean, I, I wish I would have heard these things when I was in, you know, middle school, high school as well. Cause I think that it is, it's such a hard thing to be real and to be vulnerable, but it is so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being vulnerable Yeah, and for for growing and, and, and everybody home. Thank you so much for listening to, to Autumn and for listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me. Make sure you guys go and like us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else podcasts are found. And guys, I hope you learned a lot more about Autumn today, a lot more about yourself, and even more about God. Go out and have an awesome day.